from Southport to East New York, from West Seneca to North Corona, and all across the five boroughs and the 62 counties of New York State. This is 5 o'clock on WBAI 99.5 FM, and you're listening to Max and Murphy, your interview and call-in show about the policies, politics, and people of New York City and New York State. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Jarrett, good to see you. You as well. So we are at a very interesting moment in New York politics and government. We have a lot of things happening to kick off the year on the governmental side, but of course we also have this very interesting, very intriguing special election for New York City public advocate that is a sprint. Uh, to the February 26th election day. All registered voters in New York can vote in New York City, can vote for New York City public advocate. And actually, if you're not registered, you have a little more time to do so. Uh, We published an article recently at Gotham Gazette. Everything you need to know about the race for New York City public advocate, you can find the voter registration deadlines there, who's running, all that type of stuff. 23 candidates submitted ballot petitions to the Board of Elections. We don't know if they'll all be on the ballot still, but 23 candidates submitted petitions. At at worst, or at best, depending on how you <laughs> count it, you're going to have a race with uh, an incredibly crowded field, some big names there, a citywide office with no runoff provision, um, and someone who is going to face uh, at least one more election before calendar year 2019 is out, perhaps a primary as well. So it's a really interesting moment as you said in politics. I mean, since the last time we spoke to each other and to the public, we've heard the mayor's state of the city address. Yesterday, we had the governor's state of the state address. Obviously, developments in in Washington around the shutdown continue. Uh, More revelations about um, President Trump and suspicions around his relationship with uh, Russia. Uh, it's certainly every day is interesting in New York City, but it does feel like it's been a chock full uh, beginning of 2019 for us. And it is. And what we're doing today is we're continuing our look at the public advocates race. And we're talking with three candidates on the show today. Over the last couple of weeks, we had one candidate two weeks ago, City Council Member Rafael Espinal. Last week, one more candidate, City Council Member Eric Ulrich. Today, we're going three candidates. And the part of the reason I bring that up, not just to preview the show, and we're going to be joined by our first guest very soon, but is because, as you note about how busy the start of the year has been, two of our guests today are in the New York State Assembly currently. And not only did the governor give his state of the state address yesterday, but on Monday and Tuesday, the state legislature passed a bunch of bills, voting reform, uh, protections for transgender individuals, a ban on uh, conversion therapy where people try to, you know, make gay people not gay, uh, this antiquated practice that has never been banned in New York. Uh, So it's been a very busy start legislatively. We never see that in Albany, but now with Democrats in full control of both chambers, we're seeing a lot of legislative movement very early on. And Governor Cuomo kind of moved up his speech, I think, to to get in the mix a little bit more. It totally. It struck me yesterday that the governor was talking about the need to close the LLC loophole in his speech a day after the state Senate passed a bill to do just that and, and send it toward his desk Aversion, for, yeah. for, for, uh, for a signature, presumably. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's fascinating. And, and we should highlight, and maybe our, a couple of our guests, like I said, who are in this state assembly will want to do this with some of their time. But 
they both houses of the legislature passed a bunch of voting reform bills that have been long stalled in what was the Republican controlled state Senate. And the governor now basically has nine days, eight days now to sign them. I mean, we're going to have new voting laws in this state, you know, like a snap of the fingers here in the new session. So that's fascinating. The Democrats promised to move a lot of this stuff during the elections. And, you know, so far they're following at least some of the low hanging fruit up. uh, And it's very interesting to see. There's going to be a lot of celebratory press conferences coming up, a lot of credit to go around. We'll see if the governor can play nice with the legislature and vice versa. Uh, But it's a, it is a new day in Albany. Now, when the governor outlined his state of the state and interested in, you know, your take on this, um, you know, there were some things in it that clearly there's a lot of agreement on. And there's some things that are going to be battles, whether it's with Mayor de Blasio over some funding issues like the MTA or or with the legislature. The MTA certainly stands out as the area where, you know, the governor spent a lot of time talking about um, the MTA, especially not not so much on congestion pricing, but on this question of how it is governed and this critique that he is has been uh, articulating for the last couple of weeks, especially around his announcement of a new approach to the L train repairs, L tunnel repairs, that the MTA's governance structure is a problem, uh, which is a fair point, um, but something that he has not raised earlier that I'm aware of in his in his time, even as he was bringing the Second Avenue subway and other improvements to the system uh, into operation, and that is a real um, thorny issue to dig into. And not only does it tie into the funding questions and the question of the city's fair share and who owns the tracks, uh, but deep questions about who's going to have authority over it. And today we heard some uh, politicians in New York City, including the borough president of the Bronx, Ruben Diaz, issue a call, which others have issued, saying... Let's just put New York City in in charge of the of the, uh, the city subways and buses. System. Yeah, right. yeah, that is uh, an immensely complicated topic, but very interesting to see some calls increase on that. And we will maybe dig into that a little bit more today. We'll see what some of our guests might want to bring up as their campaign platform items. But let's move into today. We're going to be joined by our first guest momentarily. We have three guests today that are candidates for New York City Public Advocate in the special election. Our first guest is Assemblymember Michael Blake of the Bronx, and he's on the line now. Assemblymember Blake, welcome to Max and Murphy on WBAI. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great to be with you. So for our listeners who may not know, uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, the area of the city that you represent in the State Assembly. From the Bronx, New York, born and raised. Uh, I went to public schools K through 12, you know, PS 79, D. Wood Clinton, uh, MS 118. Uh, son of Jamaican immigrants. My mother, uh, for 40 years, was a manufacturing plant. I worked at a manufacturing plant in New Jersey, raised four boys, me being the baby. Uh, my, my daddy, for 29 years, mopped hospital room floors, proud member of 1199 SEIU. And, you know, that's been our our journey. That was our story. And and, uh, after graduating from Northwestern, which I was was grateful to do, had a near-fatal car accident in 2001, fell asleep at the wheel, uh, been able to stay focused on uh, being engaged. And and so for six and a half years, President Obama came back home um, after that work uh, of being on both campaigns, doing minority women-owned business. Uh, and then for the last four plus years, been in the state assembly. Uh, we helped change the law, raise the age, 16 to 17 year olds, no longer being tried as adults in criminal court, 
created the My Brothers Keep program for boys and young men of color. We're able to help make sure that businesses below 300 employees get paid in 15 days out of 30 days, uh, and then focusing heavily on NYCHA uh, and, and working through on NYCHA uh, in $250 million and also just you know reforms that were not happening before. Uh, and so that, that has been the journey. Uh, but but I'm, I'm now running for public advocate because we want to help more people. We want to take it to scale. Uh, we want to help uh, provide more opportunities. And as we say often, I, I want to fight for jobs and justice for the people. That's not a, a tagline. That's not a mindset. Um, that is a thought process of what we're doing. Uh, and that's why I'm running for public advocate. So, Assemblyman, there are uh, other members of the Assembly in this field of of official or potential candidates for public advocate. There are obviously other legislators from the city level and other figures as well. It's a it's a large field that's emerged. What distinguishes you and, and your experience, and, and what about your approach to the job um, do you think would recommend a voter to uh, to cast a ballot for you? How does, how does the position of public advocate uh, work to achieve jobs and justice? Well, you know, the, the, the critical piece is a, a coalition builder who has a vision. You have, you have a position where you are first in line to the mayor. If the mayor were to resign or step down, you become the acting mayor of New York City, the, the public advocate, introducing legislation through city council, oversight of the agencies, uh, and being the abundant, listening to the people. You know, when you look at what we have seen within our district uh, and the vision that we wish to provide, I think it makes us perfectly prepared for this role. For example, on, on the trains and buses, uh, they should run on time, plain and simple. You know, the challenges that we have had when it comes to the two trains and the five train, uh, and the reality of different communities within our district where it is difficult to be able to have access to them. I do believe that the public advocate should have a permanent seat on the MTA board uh, to be able to be that voice and, and step up and, 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 and push back for solutions. You, you think about uh, when it comes to housing, uh, the necessity of affordable housing across the city uh, and the challenges that have been continuously there. You know, the, the work of our previous chief of staff, who's been able to demonstrate through his work at the Housing Rights Initiative, Aaron Carr, uh, that developers are not in, implementing right civilization. Uh, I believe we should rescind tax credits, J51 tax credits, for the, for landlords. Um, they're not implementing rent stabilization. Why should they benefit uh, unless our communities are being benefited themselves? And, you know, when you think about our criminal justice, I do believe the public advocate can utilize the bully pulpit of, of bringing people together to demonstrate how we have to have transformational opportunities. And I believe we should be building schools and not jails. And I do not believe we should be moving forward on the, the proposal for closing of Rikers as currently proposed. You know, when you can find $3 billion when it comes to an Amazon, but you can't find $3 billion to provide economic relief on the front end. I do believe these are the spaces of public advocates. So what makes us uniquely qualified? When you think about what has happened um, over the last few years, uh, it is absolutely essential um, that we find a way uh, to have a coalition builder. Uh, And I really do believe uh, that what we have done for the last four years, uh, it is absolutely essential uh, that we continue to drive home uh, what we have done and be that leader. And I do believe, finally, you have council members who have had an opportunity to, to provide the changes, especially when it comes to housing or criminal justice education. It has not happened. Uh, you need to have a new vision, and I do believe I can be that. 
So take us through, if you are the next city, uh, New York City public advocate, take us through, you know, the, the office has somewhat limited powers, although it obviously provides the ability to introduce legislation in the city council. You have something of a bully pulpit. You do have uh, certainly more resources than you do as a, a state assembly member in terms of money and staff. But take us through an issue and how you would actually get one of these things done that, that you're talking about here. And you're saying, you know, folks in your competition for public advocacy like city council members or maybe even some of your assembly colleagues um, haven't gotten done, you know, how do you do that? What does that, what does that look like as public advocate? Um, you know, getting a, a coalition together is one thing, but then how do you, what do you do with that coalition? How do you move something forward? Well, I think the, a, a perfect example is on, on nights of public housing. I'm the only candidate, Ben, who, who was able to go on September 26th and testify to Judge Pauly to demonstrate uh, the, the the absolute crisis that's going on public housing. Uh, we have the second largest concentration of residents within public housing within our district, and whoever is the next public advocate is going to be actively a part of the $2 billion settlement that will determine heat and hot water and lead uh, remediation. Uh, and, and so you will have many people that may not be within uh, public housing themselves. They may not live within NYCHA, but I do believe we should all agree that everyone should have heat and hot water. Everyone should know that you're not having lead in your homes. Everyone should know that you can have repairs that are happening. And so there has to be the ability to say, regardless of your community, regardless of your zip code, we can all appreciate the necessity of this settlement going correctly and well. And, and you know, very clearly, the individuals, especially in, in council, who did not step up in this moment, who stopped were not clearly uh, engaged when it came to oversight, when it came to lead, uh, were not focused in making sure they testified to Judge Pauly, were not a part of the process of this $2 billion opportunity to provide help. You know, you look at what I did in the last year, the 250 a million dollars uh, to provide support for security cameras and locks. Uh, that is a coalition exercise where you're demonstrating that this may not be something that is uh, touching your neighborhood, but as New Yorkers, we can all rise together and be a part of this. Second so you, you and finally... Oh, yeah. Well, let me just ask you a quick follow up on that. You, you mentioned the, the additional state money that was secured that the governor agreed to. And I saw you at, uh, you know, you were at a, a couple of events with him when he was really digging in on the NYCHA issue last year. Um, what did you do? I mean, you say, you know, you say that those resources came through. Tell us, you know, what was your, your role in that? How did you help uh, either get the governor's attention or get that money done or whatever it was that you were really intricately involved in there? two very specific things. One, uh, each year when we're working on the budget and you have until March 31st for the budget to be on time, most of us as members have an issue with this will be your issue. This will be the thing that you're going to consistently reach out, communicate and advocate and say to our colleagues, we cannot move forward on this budget of $170 billion, give or take, unless we have X item. And each of the four years that I've been in the assembly, uh, there have been something specific to work on, whether it be My Brother's Keeper, whether it be minority women-owned businesses, whether it be Raise the Age. But on this past year, it was NYCHA. And to be able to communicate to our colleagues that were upstate, communicate to colleagues in the city that may not have public housing, that regardless of your community, I would hope that you could appreciate that all of us should have an opportunity for working doors and security cameras and locks. That, that was a clear demonstration that if we were able to bring that coalition together there, 
we can certainly do that in the city. Second and finally, when we think about where we have gone from there, from that moment, the questions around lead. Melrose Houses was one of the developments that came back from Melrose for lead. We, we immediately raised the flag of what is happening here. How do you move forward in, in this way? And when you saw that the mayor and the staff of the mayor and the team surrounding the mayor initially said that it was only 19 children when it became clear it was close to 200. The, the raising of the flag of saying this is a crisis of urgent necessity in terms of action, uh, when we were the ones that said immediately, we cannot move forward in anything that's happening until there's a lead remediation plan, uh, there are many colleagues that respectfully did not do that. And so those are concrete things of what we were able to do to get action, which we can take even further for if we were elected citywide as public advocate. Assemblyman, since we're talking about NYCHA, it's such a huge issue. The mayor has now put forward a plan to try to pump money into that system for this incredible backlog of capital repairs. And that plan has lots of elements, but to create some controversy, one is converting a lot of units to uh, effectively Section 8 vouchers through the RAD program, and the other is providing long-term ground leases of land on some NYCHA uh, campuses to permit development of both market rate and affordable housing. Um, what do you think of those ideas? The mayor says that NYCHA doesn't have too many options, and those are just two of the uh, the viable ones. Well, the RAD, uh, the RAD program, rental uh, assistance demonstration program, uh, and projects. Uh, you know, the 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 understanding is yes, there may be the possibility to make the argument that you could have um, revenue that could come in and be generated uh, from. Uh, this program. Uh, however, the concern is you can go down a road where so much market rate is happening uh, that you lead to pushing individuals out, uh, and it, uh, undoubtedly, then you have residents that cannot afford uh, these new developments and new opportunities within NYCHA. Uh, I do believe there are more effective ways that we can pursue, second to your question, around the, the available spaces uh, that are there and that exist. I believe we could identify unused plots of land across New York City and say very clearly, let's identify those plots of land that are owned by the city and utilize the revenue that comes in from market apartments there to then bring revenue back in to NYCHA to fix uh, the challenges within NYCHA. I, I think that is a safer and more effective approach and strategy rather than us hoping that if you have market rate changes within these current developments, uh, that then that would work. I, you know, I, I've said this um, repeatedly. You know, you know, when you when you've seen what has been happening over the last few years, it seems to me that the crisis and that urgency is only happening because uh, shit, light is being shed on it. And, and the one reason why I'm asking for people to vote for me, Michael Blake, for a public advocate, is the, the challenges that we are talking through, whether it be public housing, whether it be on public health, whether it be on public transportation, we should not be in a space where the strategy that we're seeing from the mayor is only in response to them looking bad rather than doing the right thing and having a real plan uh, and a real approach. And so when it comes to housing, we have to make sure there's economic incentives that are smart 
and, and are not going to lead to gentrification and pushing out individuals, which the current proposal, I do believe, could eventually do. So we're in our last minute here with Michael Blake, assembly member and now candidate for New York City public advocate in the special election coming up February 26th. Uh, I think my final question is a little bit uh, sort of on the politics side. Uh, Jared asked you before, you know, sort of how you separate yourself from some of your competition. But, um, you know, you're a, you're a political strategist. You've done some of that work uh, in the past and and, and uh, even somewhat recently, what's the what's the path to victory here? What's the strategy? How do you, as an assembly member from the Bronx, break through here and win citywide in what's going to be a fairly low turnout election? You know, you know be, be a, a funny, attractive candidate. Then. <laughs> that, that's the first step right there. You know? Um, you know, look, I think the, the the first approach on this is the organization of what we've been able to build and I've been able to build through the training of President Obama has been taking effect. You know, I will be the second candidate on the ballot because we were the second fastest campaign to submit our petition signatures, uh, running on the, the name for the people. And because we were effective in that outreach, all the other candidates after us that had the name people uh, within their name have to change their names in the next few days. Uh, we It became public and announced uh, that we raised the most money of any campaign of the 23 campaigns running for a public advocate, which I believe is a very clear demonstration of the support we have across the city uh, of people that want to get behind our, our, our my vision. And, and I think when you look at the votes and look at the, the vision, whether it be being a son of Jamaican immigrants, uh, whether it be amplifying the network of work for President Obama, whether it be the policy visions in particular of those that are supporting us, you know, former Lieutenant Governor Dick Ravitch uh, as, a, as a chair, uh, Maya Wiley, a former counsel to the mayor, Natalie Molina Nino, a, a great impact investor, you know, Tremaine Wright and Rebecca C. Wright and, and Louis Sepulveda and Rafael Salamanca and Natalia Fernandez and, and, and Jeff Aubrey. These are uh, assembly colleagues. <laughs> assembly and Senate and Council uh, colleagues that have all endorsed our campaign. Uh, we, we will be announcing formally tomorrow uh, that Donovan Richards, another council member, uh, endorsing our campaign, the United African Coalition. Uh, we have the most diverse and expansive coalition of support um, across the city. And, and the vision that I bring to people is, you know, we may be starting this race without the same name recognition of others. Uh, and we may have started this race with less money than others. Uh, but I have the best vision. And it is a vision very focused on jobs and justice. And so when you look at the vote tallies, as the only candidate that's truly coming from the Bronx, there's one other who has some partial Bronx ties, but realistically as the only candidate from the Bronx. As someone in myself who will be able to, to mobilize support out in Brooklyn, especially because of my immigrant roots within Manhattan, we'll be able to demonstrate support as well. In Southeast Queens in particular because of the South Asian community, African-American community, and even in Staten Island, uh, in North Shore, uh, Mid-Island and South Shore, uh, we are demonstrating a coalition across the board. And I do believe that on February 26th, uh, when people see the ballot and they see Michael Blake as the second name there, uh, we are very confident uh, that I will be elected because of the coalition that we will bring together that will be mobilized. I have the clearest vision. The support is building. The momentum is building. And I do believe that the, the demonstration today uh, of being able to raise the most money to come in second when it comes to petitions is a demonstration of the coalition that we're, we're going to continue to build going into the election. Well, on that note, I want to thank you very much, Michael Blake, Assemblyman from the Bronx and a candidate for public advocate for being on the show.